1: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and A.J. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, and my co-host, as always, is A.J. Scholz, and you can follow him at A.J. Scholz24. On today's pod, A.J. and I will provide previews for all teams in the Metropolitan Division and add our predicted order of the final standings for our third of four preseason pods. Now let me introduce AJ for uh, some news that we saw in the past week. AJ, we're seeing more RFA signings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, we got uh, slowly chipping away at those, but uh, you know there are still a few out there. Um, But the big one, obviously, was Braden Point in that uh, that bridge deal Uh, there—a three-year contract, cap hit pretty manageable at seven point six point seven five million. But what has been you know most talked about is uh, that last year that contract comes with a nine million dollar base salary that year, um, which essentially means. Uh, You know, it kind of gives him essentially a player option um, for that fourth year. They're not going to let him hit, um, you know, the open market. So they'll give him a qualifying offer, which will have to be essentially a one year, nine million dollar deal. Um, so he can either decide to sign that he'll have arbitration rights he you know he can try and get more money if he thinks a neutral arbitrator or obviously he could sign uh, a long-term deal for for even bigger bucks but uh, yeah to have that in his back pocket as a basically nine million dollar fourth year option uh, player option really is is kind of intriguing
1: and you know what AJ I compare this to what the Leafs did with Mitch Marner and uh, the fact that of course he, you do Paul of well, course they're, they're comfortable <laughs> in terms of the scoring points that they produced last year and the profile they have with their respective teams is my my thought aj and and you know marner and his camp they eventually settled on a six-year deal and and it's kind of a level deal in terms of the cap hit over the term of the of the deal but in in braden points case The last year is is way higher than the salary that he's going to get in the first two years. The cap hits level for all three. But your point is well made, that that third year is the springboard for the negotiation on the next deal. And it really sets this youngster up, if he produces to get to, to be the highest paid player on this club in three years and maybe it's at a time where a guy like a Steven Tam- Stamkos is kind of starting to fade into maybe s- uh, second line or third line status on this team by the time he's all said and done at the end of his term and you can make the case that now it's a changing of the guard and that's really how they've set themselves up, up very nicely here in Tampa managing the contract and I I, I admire the job that, that was done there first by Steve Eiserman and then the Subsequent management that has taken over there—they've really got their handle—a uh, handle on the uh, hierarchy of the club and uh, and the way the money should be distributed—and that's really the challenge in the salary cap era. I think they've done a masterful job in tampa bay and uh aj there's a few other rfas out there and certainly the winnipeg jets fans have to be dying a thousand deaths with the fact that <laughs> two of their guys are, are still out uh, out on the sidelines i'm a little nervous about the patrick liney situation i don't know how that's going to play out but i'm predicting that could be a one that slides into the regular season in uh, in other news partner we have a special announcement about the nfhc and you and i are ver- very much excited about this why don't you tell our listeners a little bit of good news
0: yeah. So, for uh, those that maybe aren't familiar, NFHC National Fantasy Hockey Championship. Uh, this is a, a site that runs uh, high-stakes leagues for uh, football and baseball, and now they're getting into hockey as well this year. So, um, as, part as part of our partnership with them, we have uh, there's Rotowire online championships through NFHC. You can find those Rotowire.com high stakes. Uh, there'll be uh, four contests this year, uh, two with a $350 entry and two with a $150 entry uh, that will feature uh, some of our experts, including Paul and I and, and two others. So we'll get more details about those. But essentially, if you enter those one of those four contests, in addition to all you know the prizes that you can win there, there's a grand prize uh, of seven point five thousand dollars or seventy five hundred dollars. Um, the you can if you finish ahead of the expert if you get into one of those four leagues you finish ahead of the expert from rotowire you'll get a free three month subscription to rotowire uh, as well so just an added perk and the opportunity to play against paul and i if you listen to this show every week and you just Are banging your head against the steering wheel while you're driving thinking we're complete idiots uh, with our takes this is your chance to prove it play against us in these contests Uh, we'll obviously provide more details once everything becomes available but it's uh, really quite exciting
1: that's right so we remind our listeners please join rotowire fantasy hockey online championships at rotowire.com slash high stakes aj please tell our listeners what they ought to be doing on a weekly basis
0: yeah absolutely uh just our weekly reminder that if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general if you you know if you have questions about these leagues uh feel free to tweet at me for that as well i'd be happy to answer those questions um but yeah get in contact with us on twitter you can follow me at AJ two 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman22 okay partner let's dive into the third of our four
1: division previews beginning with the carolina hurricanes and i'll take a look at the forwards you bring us up to speed on defensemen and i'll finish up with the goalies we'll go back and forth with all these teams and all these positions on the respective clubs with our takes so we'll uh, introduce the projected lineups for the carolina hurricanes the top line will feature uh, three dynamic uh, european let's call them Eurostars, uh, Andrei Sebastian Aho, Toivo Teravainen. Now Ajo made some headlines early in this off season where he was given an offer sheet by the Canadians. He signed it, but then the uh, Hurricanes matched this deal. And uh, boy, I think they're glad that they did. When you lock up a first line center, young guy like this he already put a point per game season in the bank last year with 83 points in 82 games he had a great partnership with Tara Vine and 76 points in 82 games. The wild card here is Andrei Svechnikov. I think he's going to blow his last year, last year's point totals right out of the water. He only had 37, but partnered with the other two guys on this line and with his skill set, I think the youngster is ready for a breakout season, so I would really like to highlight him among the forwards here. Their second line is no slouch either, and that's where I get start to get excited about this team, AJ. Ryan Dezingle came over from Ottawa uh, to to columbus and he's eventually settled in carolina now he put together 56 point season last year and he's going to be partnered with jordan stall who's a really solid pick in a second line role here plagued by injury last year though 50 50 games played only 28 points i think if he stays healthy he should be right around 50 points uh in this unit and the third guy on this line is, is another guy that i really like nino niederreiter who's found a uh, some comfort in carolina and uh, 53 point season is just scratching the surface for what this guy is capable of so i think it's a pretty solid looking top six It's uh, it's a bit of a drop-off from that group, though, uh, when you consider any fantasy value, the likes of Eric Halla, Lucas Walmark, and Jordan Martinuk won't excite anybody. None of them is going to be projected to get over 30 points, in my opinion. And beyond that, it's just more pluggers like Warren Fogle, Brian Gibbons, and Jamie McGinn among the Ford ranks. Are you intrigued about any other prospects here, or am I misreading the bottom six? Uh, I think the top six is locked in, and there's quite a gap after that.
0: I definitely agree that the the top six is is pretty settled in, but uh, I have a, a little bit uh, you know more bullish take on on Eric Halla. You know he had that injury last year, was limited to just fifteen games, um, but the year before, his first year in Vegas, fifty five points, uh, twenty nine goals, twenty six assists. So I definitely think he's capable of doing that he probably won't have the as good of a supporting cast um so i would peg him around the 20 goal mark uh, and probably closer to, to 40 45 points uh, not quite that 50, but I, I think he'll definitely uh, top that 40 point mark uh, and could get 20 goals as well. I expect he'll see some power play time and, and should be able to contribute there as well, uh, likely with their second unit there. But otherwise, yeah, I agree. Um, it's a little thin after that um, kind of you know plug in place, guys. Um, you know, Warren Fogel's an intriguing prospect, but he hasn't really uh, been able to put it all together yet. So we'll see uh, what they can bring. You know, another year of development for some of these younger guys. Maybe it's an opportunity uh, for them to grow uh, on the blue line. You're going to be leading the way with uh, Jakob Slavin uh, and Dougie Hamilton. They'll combine, uh, you know, last year they combined for 70 points between the two of them, played in all 82 games. Uh, so that's a really good pairing. To start, uh, then they'll add uh, Paul's favorite player, Jay Gardner, <laughs> who had 30 points in 62 games with the Leafs last year. Uh, I would expect uh, about the same, even if he plays a full 82 games. I think 30 is probably about his max uh, in terms there. Justin Falk uh, as the other option, uh, other guy on the blue line, another guy who played all 82 games, 30 plus points. I mean, this is a really Durable uh, group here, Uh, you know, when you uh, talk about the three returners in this top four, if somebody could maybe uh, break into that top four and and play more. I think you're looking at TVR, Trevor Van Riemsdijk, or Brett Pesci. I think either one of them could factor in as well. Uh, Pesci, another guy, 35 points in 63 games last year. So uh, a really intriguing group of of guys here. They've got a couple prospects. Uh, They signed Freddie Clayson, but they uh, moved him down to the minors already. Uh, They've got Gustav Forsling, but uh, I think really that top six is pretty much uh, locked in you're not going to see a uh, barring injury you're not going to see a lot of other guys uh, really competing for minutes here
1: you know what AJ I'm going to show Jake Gardner a little love I think he's capable of much more than the 30 points that he registered in the 60 games 62 games let me say that he had a 50 point season in Toronto as a top pairing guy with Morgan Riley a couple of years ago and they split them up and then that was the beginning of the end for him and me uh, as a fan of his in Toronto because he's just too prone to the defensive miscues but hey in fantasy uh, hockey you've got to look at the offensive side more than the defensive side and there's no question he has a, a lot of offensive skill and I think he's very properly placed here on a second pairing uh, currently lining up across from another offensive minded guy on the blue line and Justin Falk. I don't think the six-pack is going to finish the season here as we line it up. I think that one of these guys is going to be dealt. The candidate for me that that most fits that bill is Justin Falk. I think he's a guy that will find greener pastures before the season is out. They have some options, as you've mentioned, in the depth portion of their roster. I really like Hayden Fleury as a guy that can move up in in ranks here. Uh, Gustav Forsling and Freddie Clayson are kind of more serviceable parts in the third pairing role i think hayden flurry has a bigger upside than that and might be a guy that you want to stash to just to see if he realizes that potential in terms of the goalie mix it's a couple of uh, guys with some experience in the league peter Morazic and james reimer none none of them is going to be neither one has been mentioned among the top 10 goalies in the league but they're very solid guys and uh, the numbers will back it up in terms of the, the year after year performance uh, reimer had a bit of an off time in in His last season with 13 wins in 36 appearances and a 3.09 goals against the highest of his career. I think he's capable of much better than that. And he'll challenge Morazic, who registered 23 wins in 40 games played last year. This is indicative of a split that I do see on the season, though, AJ. I think these guys are going to split the net mining possibly right down the middle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's my take as well. I think it'll be pretty even. Uh, the only, you know, possibility I, I think it's possible that Mrazek could, uh, you know, take the reins here and, and maybe take over. Uh, the starting job full time and push for closer to 50 30 uh, in terms of that split. But I think it'll be pretty even overall uh, between these two guys. So I don't really see uh, anything different uh, compared to what you have. So we'll just move uh, along there and we'll talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets starting with the forwards here. Uh, I think we're going to see a little bit of a change here on this top line. I think uh, Alexander Teixeira will get the top look. Uh, With that number one line, this is a a youngster uh, who played just two games last year, uh, but they've been impressed with him uh, to start the season. And I think it's definitely uh, not outside of the question that he at least starts the year on that top line with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Cam Atkinson. Uh, And that'll make him you know, really an intriguing fantasy prospect, uh, a player that I'll probably be targeting in a couple of my leagues uh, in later rounds because I think he can be a high-end option for them. The second line, uh, you know, is a little uh, in flux as well. I think you could see either Nick Foligno or Gustav Nyquist filling out uh, that second left wing spot. Those guys will probably split, uh, you know, compete for minutes on that second line all year, assuming that Teixeira can hold on to the the top spot. So um, but I peg it to probably be Nyquist. Uh, Wenberg and Borgstrand as that second group there uh, you've got Borgstrand 36 points last year Alex Wenberg just 25 I would peg him uh, for a little closer to 40 especially if he's centering that second group there uh, for me then the third line does uh, is where I peg Nick Felino to fall he had 35 points in 63 games he'll go with Boone Jenner and Josh Anderson I think this is a really intriguing third line uh, that'll you know create some magic matchup havoc for a lot of other clubs you've got anderson a 47 point guy last year boone jenner 38 and uh, a nick felino at 35 i think all of those guys can be right around those same marks again this year uh and then the the fourth line gets a little bit interesting you know there's some uh battle here for spots you've got uh, a jacob lilja uh, Lilia coming over uh, from Europe he signed an entry- level deal he's still in camp uh, and could be an option Sonny Milano and then Marco Dano all could compete uh, for that fourth line spot as well along with uh, you know Dubinsky Nash. Uh, and uh, Emil Benstrom. So, some intriguing prospects here. Anybody that stands out to you, Paul?
1: Well, I like the opportunity that's being given to Texier for sure. And uh, Gustav Nyquist, a newcomer to this mix uh, out of Detroit, he had a 60 point season last year in 80 games played. And I think he's certainly capable of repeating that. Wenberg is the guy that holds the key to this offense, I think, uh, in terms of that second line. Boone Jenner's play has t- dropped off. So, they're really hoping that Wenberg can turn his uh, last year's performance around a little bit and and uh, grab that spot with both hands and if he does i think he's capable of a 50 point season alongside nyquist and uh, Bjorkstrand. no slouch could be in around the 40 point mark to lock up uh, the top six there but uh, Josh Anderson is a guy who also could play top six minutes here he uh, has fluctuated in that role in the past so don't discount him when you're looking at the third and fourth line mix here Sonny Villano is a guy that maybe the string has run out on him AJ he was highly regarded as a, a junior scorer really hasn't put it together in the pros so uh I think people will recognize that name because he's been around the, uh, in fantasy talks for years. People are expecting a breakout from him. It just hasn't happened. And I, I, I need to be shown before I commit to him. But it's just another name recognition situation among the forwards there that, that is worth noting. I also think that Nick Foligno is undersold at 35 points at in 73 games. And I think he could see his top six minutes if Texier fail, fails. So that's something to take a look at uh, when you're considering the youngster who is a Calder trophy candidate I'll say but uh, if he doesn't uh, have that breakout Felino will be a guy that plays a lot of top six minutes here on the blue line, it's a, a veteran crew that makes up the top four and uh, some pretty good fantasy value on the top pairing where Zach Borensky and Seth Jones are together. It's rare that you see two offensively uh, capable uh, players playing on the same defensive tandem. This is one of the rare cases, but they are allowed to do that because Seth Jones is so good all around and one of the top defensive defensemen in the league, in my opinion, as well. This guy should be in the conversation as one of the top ten defensemen in hockey, and uh, he can do it all if there is one guy that I could pluck off this roster that I would like to b- help build my team around. This is this is my candidate. On the second pairings, I, I like uh, Ryan Murray and David Savard. Savard particularly has played some power play time in the past and uh, so insulates the top two guys if they get hurt. They can easily flip one of these guys into that top pairing and specialty teams uh, play. On the third pairing, it's not too much fantasy value there, but uh, Dean Kukan and Marcus Nutavara look to me to hold down those roles. Uh, another interesting possibility might be Vladislav Gavrikov. He comes over from the KHL, where he recorded 20 ga- points in 60 games played. They also have uh, NHL vet Adam Clendenning and uh, Scott Harrington in terms of depth options, but not too much fantasy value there. I think the real fantasy st- uh, uh, skills will come from moranski and jones in this mix but savard could be a wild card contributor
0: yeah for me i think gavrikov is is the kind of uh, intriguing option here uh if i'm if i'm running the blue jackets i'm putting him in there i know what i have in kukan and nutavara um you know solid depth defensively minded guys like the, they'll be fine um, I'd like to get a see, you know, get a better look at Gavrikov uh, in the NHL. So at least for me, if I'm running that organization, that's that's where I would start at least. Um, but other than that, you know. Uh, if he doesn't have a secure spot in the lineup, uh, obviously no fantasy value, not no fantasy va- value, but limited fantasy value uh, in that setting. So I agree with you that it's, you know, mostly Wierinski, uh and Jones here in terms of of that. Uh, on the on the back end, it's going to be a, an interesting season for Columbus in the Nets. After years of of certainty with Sergei Bobrovsky, they're heading into the season With really a pair of untested guys, you've got Jonas Korpisalo and Elvis uh, Mirza-Lincolns as your two options here. I'm pretty uh, confident that Korpisalo is going to be the number one guy uh, heading into the season. Uh, Last year, he played just uh, 27 games, went 10-7-3 with a 2.95 goals against average. Uh, If he's putting up numbers like that, I think we're going to see Mirza Lincoln's take over sooner rather than later. Uh, He come coming over from from the Swiss league, went uh, 43 and 22 last year with a 2.44 goals against average. This could be uh, this one, uh, you know, not to leave our, our listeners high and dry here, but this one, I think, could go all three ways. I think you could see Corpus take the starting job and run with it uh, and play, you know, 50, 55 games. I think uh, Mirza Lincolns could do the same or these guys could split it. This is really one uh, that is I think we're not going to have any real clarity on how this is going to shake out uh, until, you know, maybe a month into the season when you get a better idea of how these guys are performing, whether Corpus can really roll uh, with that starting job or not. That's at least my take on it. Paul, what do you say?
1: I really hope for the fantasy players out there that they settle on one or the other of these players. This is not a situation where I'd handcuff these two in my any of my teams, AJ. But uh, certainly I'm intrigued by Merza Licken's uh, background. Uh, he emerged as a consideration here just because he had such an outstanding uh, time in the Swiss League put up some good numbers has some good size to him these guys are almost twins when you look at the makeups both 6'3 and both in the 180 pound range uh, and both 25 years old so uh, there's a lot of similarity in terms of the makeup here and uh, really they both have something to prove so they'll be pushing each other and that might be the best news but uh, I think Columbus is in for a tough year uh, unless one of these guys really emerges and grabs the, grabs the puck and runs with it uh, next up, we're going to talk about the New Jersey Devils. This is a team that really is an interesting one that they've they've fashioned a rebuild over the last couple of years around two very high draft picks, the highest one. Last year, of course, we went to to they used to, use to get uh, Jack Hughes, who played in the U.S. program and scored a ton of points last year, 160 points in 74 games at different levels there in his background. And uh, they're excited about the mix here because they got him and they got Nico Heischer, who was a top draft pick a couple of years ago uh, locking down the first two center roles and uh, the comeback for Taylor Hall also has them excited this guy's a couple of years removed from winning the Hart trophy so don't forget about that when you look about at his point totals from last year only 37 in 33 games but I think he could be a -a point-a-game guy over 80 games again and maybe well above that if he works out well with either Heischer or Hughes. Jesper Bratt uh, is the wild card here on the first line he only had 51 games played last year. If he plays a full season with Hughes and Hall with their potential, I think he should blow 33 points uh, out of the water. That was his point total last year. And I think he'd get, a, get around 50 to 55. Uh, another an interesting name in the mix here is Nikita Gusev. He comes over from the KHL where he was the leading scorer for the last two years in the, in that league. And he's a big, talented left winger. Projects on the second line with Nico Heischer. And uh, that could be a pretty dynamic unit. And again, the guy that's riding shotgun is the guy that I'm keeping an eye on. And Kyle Palmieri has been a power play specialist here over the last couple of years. 50 points in 74 games played last year. And I think he's got a chance to go a little bit higher than that with working with these two guys. So uh, there's some excitement about the offensive mix here. And when you can put the likes of, of Travis Zajac and Wayne Simmons on a third line, that gives you a lot of insulation in terms of the quality and in, in reserve that if, should one of the top six one or more of the top six go missing for injury and uh, then they got other names like paddle zaka blake coleman who've been uh, top six players here before so a lot more depth on the forward ranks than in new jersey than we've talked about in the last couple of years aj
0: yeah, look, I, I said last year that I thought uh, the Devils, with a healthy Taylor Hall, would have been a playoff team. Uh, you know, with how their roster was constructed last season, and it's only gotten better, uh, as you said, with Jack Hughes, uh, Nikita Gusev. Uh, I think this is a very dangerous top six that is going to put up a ton of points, uh, which is unusual if you're somebody who's followed the Devils over their course, the course of their uh, you know organization. They tend to be goalie first and then score just enough goals to get by. Um, but I think this is going to be a dangerous team, especially when you consider you've got a third line center who was uh, twice a 60 point producer. Uh, granted, his numbers aren't that good anymore. I'm not expecting that from him. But this is a guy that knows how to score. Has topped the 20 goal mark uh, in both of those seasons as well. So you've got a really solid depth option there. Um, I expect that line to to definitely produce right around where they mostly were last year. I think Blake Coleman is probably the most likely to you know creep up a little bit. He might be able to uh, you know hop over that 40 mark. Uh, and then the depth on this team, I, I think. Uh, really, Zaka, uh, Pavel Zaka as a 20 point scorer is certainly possible in a, in a fourth line role. So I really, I love this forward group. Uh, I really think they're going to put in a lot of goals on opposing uh, opposing net miners here and their back line. I think uh, their defense can score goals too uh, is going to start with Sammy Votnin. Uh, You know, he played just 50 games last year due to injury. I think if he's fully healthy, he's capable of doing significantly better. Uh, and then they added some guy from Nashville, um, uh-huh. PK Subban. Maybe you've heard of him. Maybe you haven't uh, 31 points in 63 games. You know, sometimes when you pair up these top uh, top guys, it works out great. Look at San Jose. They've had success with the top two guys. I think P.K. Subban is better suited to be kind of the number one power play guy. I think his game will thrive much better in this uh, setting than it ever you know, really did in Nashville. I think he could definitely uh, I would peg him to be back over 50, maybe even pushing for that 60 point mark this year uh, on that back line. And then you'll go from there with Andy Green and Damon Severson. Uh, Solid uh, guys. Severson put up 39 last season. Uh, I think that's maybe a little bit on the high side for him. I would expect him to creep back down closer to 30, uh, you know, low 30s, high 20s there. Uh, And then Will Butcher, you know, I love his game, I think he's struggled to really get where we thought he could. Saw a bit of a regression last year, a sophomore slump, if you will. But I think he can get back over that 40 mark like he did his rookie season. I'd like to see more goals out of him. Obviously, he had he had five his first year, four last year. I think he, sh- he has the skills. To be a 10 maybe even 15 goal scorer, whether he'll have the opportunity uh, and whether he can put it all together on the ice remains to be seen uh, and then there's you know some intriguing guys to round out the rest of that group I think Connor Carrick's got the inside mark um, but Julian uh, Melchiori could be an option as well. Marco uh, Mirko Mueller uh, there uh, as well. Paul, what do you think of this blue line grouping?
1: Well, I think there's fantasy value in four of the players here. You mentioned Vatnin and Subban. Uh, certainly will be carrying the mail in terms of special team roles. I like Subban in the top power play unit there to really spike his numbers, as you suggest. Will Butcher, though, is the guy that I'm looking at in terms of the depth uh, uh, on this unit and the fantasy value of the upside that he has. I think he just is showing for the first signs of of being a guy who's capable of of say a 40 to 45 point season. And you'd love to grab him in later rounds to insulate your defensive depth, I'm sure. Uh, uh, You look at the rest of the team here and that's what's got me excited about this, saying that about a guy like Will Butcher. You look at the quality of offense he's gonna be involved with and the depth of scoring on this blue line that's uh, that's the name that I would highlight in this group. Uh, at the back of it, all a uh, couple of goalies with diff- very differing stories. Corey Schneider, he only played in 26 games last year, registered six wins, another injury-plagued season. The yeah, goals against average were 3.06, but they're excited about Mackenzie Blackwood, a young guy who started to show what he's capable of, picking up 10 wins in 23 starts and a 261 goals against average. For me, this team needs to see Mackenzie Blackwood take the next step AJ and I think he has a slight edge in terms of expected playing time in my opinion I could see this being like a 50-32 split with the veteran Schneider uh, holding fort behind him and and kind of helping Blackwood learn the ropes but the kid needs to take that step in order for this team to take their own next step in this division.
0: I actually see the split going the other way, if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest. It's it's a little er- <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a little early for for Blackwood. You know, he's got just one season, I think another year kind of uh, taking kind of maybe the more backseat. And I think Corey Schneider is motivated uh, to kind of reclaim uh, that starting spot. Uh, you know, he saw it kind of slip. Uh, last season. And, and, you know, I think there's uh, some motivation there to kind of get back on top and and be uh, a go to guy for them. You know, he was limited by injuries in in 2017, uh, 18 and saw just 40 games. Uh, And so he missed the 2020 win mark for the first time in, in four years at that point. Last year had just the six wins and really did struggle. Um, But I think there's motivation there to prove he can be the number one guy. I think it's a little early for Blackwood still. uh, And so I expect it to be closer to to a 50-30, like you said. But I think Schneider takes the lead on that one. Um, For uh, our next team, we'll take a look at the New York Islanders, uh, who really – uh, avoided the uh, post Tavares slump as everybody expected and had some guys really carrying the, the weight here and it starts with that first line Anders Lee 51 points uh, Matthew Barzell 62 points and Jordan Everly, 37 uh, I think Barzell is a is a candidate for even more Uh, 70, I don't think would be out of the question, maybe even 80. Uh, Anders Lee, I think he's right about where I would expect him to be. Maybe you see a slight uptick. I think the main guy that you're going to want more point production out of and should hopefully expect to see that is Jordan Eberle out of this group. Uh, I think 37 is honestly a little low. Uh, Second line, uh, Bolivier, Nelson, and Bailey rock in that group, all uh, you got Nelson and Bailey both in the 50 range. I think that's probably good for them. Uh, Bolivia could be the one that, that creeps up here 28 points uh, last year is a little low. I think for him, I would expect that to tick up the bottom of this lineup is where I have a little bit more concern. Uh, they brought in Derek Broussard uh, who just really has not uh, found a, a good landing spot. The last couple of years had just 23 points in 70 games coming over from Florida last season. Uh, and, and partially uh, Pittsburgh and Colorado. I forgot he played for, for three different teams last year. Didn't really find a ton of success with any one of those organizations and really uh, has struggled honestly, since leaving the Rangers. I think even in Ottawa, his numbers weren't fantastic. Um, and so where he fits in exactly, I think is a big question mark. I think it'll probably be the third line, whether he plays center or wing remains to be seen, but uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of concerns there i think josh hosang is one guy who could uh, make the jump from the minors i know islanders fans have been clamoring for that for a while Uh, whether he can put it all together i think remains to be seen and then your old pal leo kamarov 26 points in 82 games I think he'll push Casey Zizekas for for a third line role here. I think that'll be good for the team uh, to have that competition and and see where it goes. So uh, anybody that you like uh, in this group uh, in terms of fantasy?
1: Well, you mentioned Anthony Beauvillier on that second unit, only 28 points in 81 games played last year. I think this guy's got more of an upside than that. And if he gets the whole year paired with Nelson and Bailey, Bailey for one is one of the better playmaking wingers too. So Villiers could be the shooter on that in that group and should blow past the 28 point mark by half mid-season if if uh my my preseason indications are on mark here uh i i'm also optimistic that there's more in the tank for derek brassard he was he bounced around like crazy last year as you mentioned and really hasn't found his groove for a couple of years but there's a lot of skill there and i think he's not properly suited as a Bottom six guy. I think if Beauvilliers falters, he's a guy that moves up into that second line. Uh, but that also could be threatened by Ma- Michael Dalcoli I'll throw that name into the mix. He was a point a game guy in the AHL last year and was a top scorer in junior. And I think he's just on the verge of putting things all together. Big size, great speed, and uh, I-, I think all the talent and a really good kid. Uh, Uh, So I'd like to see him succeed. I'd like to see him get a shot, too, at least playing third-line minutes, maybe, maybe even challenging if there's injuries in the top six to get a look there. In terms of the blue line, uh, Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk were the signature players on this defense a couple of years ago. Uh, Boychuk's numbers fell off and so did first and then now Letty's did last year with only 26 points in 82 games. He has more of an offensive upside than the 26 points indicates. Thomas Hickey and Ryan Pollock uh, are penciled in as the second line. Pollock matched up with Adam Pellick uh, last year, much of the season, they're switching things up a little bit. Pullock for his part, 37 points in 82 games, a sneaky good uh, depth option in terms of your fantasy leagues. If you're looking for a late round guy who can have an offensive input into your uh, defensive roster, that's my guy in this grouping. And then in terms of the depth options, there's not much in terms of fantasy value, but the names are Adam Pellick, Scott Mayfield, they're around the 20 point mark. A guy who comes up may graduate from the queue, uh, where he got 52 points in 56 games, is Noah Dobbs, and That's the guy that really uh, possesses the intrigue in the mix here on on the island. And if he gets a look and uh, on the special teams, could be a nice surprise uh, pick as well.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree there, Paul. I think uh, Devin Taves uh, could be a, another player that that maybe makes a jump this year. But uh, you know whether. Uh, he starts the season. You know, he could easily start the season in the minors. I, I think he'll be a, a full-time guy for them this year, but I don't know that he'll be in the lineup every night. Um, but it's somebody that if he could make that next step and kind of secure regular minutes, uh, had 18 points in 48 games last year. Like I said, if he plays, uh, you know, closer to 65, 70, uh, could creep up into the 30-point range and, and be kind of a, a late, a late-season addition is, is kind of how I would peg him. Uh, In the Nets, you're looking at newcomer uh, Simeon Varlamov uh, as he transitions out of uh, Colorado this year and joins the Islanders. And I expect him to be uh, a pretty even split here with Thomas Grice. You know, the Islanders had a ton of success last season, splitting the net minding duties. I think that's something that they'll continue to do this year. Um, I have, uh, you know, reservations about whether or not Varlamov can succeed in that. If you look uh, at his numbers, some of his worst years in terms of goals against average have come when he's played in less than 50 games, Uh, you know, 2016, 17, 24 games, three point three eight goals against average uh 2012 13 played in just 35 games 3.02 uh and then uh you know 2018 uh played in 49 and a 2.87 so really some of those worst years are when he's played less than 50 uh you know 50 games so i have some reservations about whether or not he can make this work uh and and put it all together in terms of a split situation uh, but I think that's what they're going to be looking at in terms of the coaching staff. It's, it's what they had success with last year. I don't think they're ready to uh, just throw Thomas Grice into a full-on backup role, so uh, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, but uh, there's definitely things to be worried about here.
1: Well, they brought in Barlamov on a big ticket, uh, $5 million over the next four years. Grice playing out the string on, on an expiring contract of $3.3 million. That, to me, says Barlamov will get a slightly larger portion of this role. I'm going to see it see it as a 50-30 split in terms of that mining. and uh, to your point though this is a a tandem is not one of the more exciting goalie tandems in the league but it could be an interesting handcuff situation where you might if you get Barlamov in mid-rounds maybe take a flyer on Grice uh, later to lock up the Islanders goaltending they are a defense first team too so you'll benefit from that in terms of the goals against average that rice put up last year as an indicator is 2.28 that's outstanding in terms of the 43 appearances that he made but varlamov is a guy that i think they're pending their hopes on for a bit of an upgrade at the net mining position here it's not that bad but it's one of the few in the league that uh, is held down by two guys over 30 years of age and next up is new york rangers the forward ranks have been changed dramatically and uh, excited Uh, by the prospect of seeing it. Artemi Panarin join this club. Capo Caco, the second uh, overall pick. Uh, For my money, this guy is going to be the rookie of the year, AJ. I love what I've seen. All the highlight reels uh, that he's been all about—a big, dynamic guy—and I think he could find his way onto the top power play unit to really juice his point totals. I think he's going to have a big offensive year, and they're one of the future players in the Rangers' offense. They'll surround these guys in the top six with the likes of Mika Zibanejad, one of the more underrated playmaking centers. When you consider that he got 74 points in 82 games, that to me was a—were uh, n- those were numbers that jumped off the page when I looked at this team, thinking I didn't think this guy was that kind of player in terms of the. the the total points that he put up. Pavel Vuknevic rounds up the projected top line. Another guy that's got size and skill and should do better than 38 points that he produced in 64 games played. On the second line, I think, is where you're going to see Capo Kako. Philip title is a guy who they have a lot of high hopes for. A youngster they brought in last year, played 75 games, only 23 points. But I think he's also uh, got the ability to put up way more offense than that. And he's going to get every opportunity here. And they're going to be insulated by one of the biggest, most physical wingers who has an offensive upside in this conference, for that matter. And that's Chris Kreider. That guy's a runaway locomotive, AJ. And he'll be out there patrolling the left wing with these kids. Uh, 52 points last year is probably a, a high watermark uh, if he can approach those numbers again the Rangers will be thrilled depth options on the third line ryan strome is a serviceable veteran that uh, is a kind of a plug-in piece if anybody else gets hurt in the top six he's going to be a guy that moves in there I, i'm i'm certain and then another young player from uh, coming over from the khl is a, a bit of a wild card here too and uh, i'm curious to see what the rangers have in Vitali kraftsov but uh, 21 points in 50 games played last year shows me that he has some a bit of an offensive upside they're touting him as much better than that and uh, i don't know if he's going to get the opportunity with all the skills of the players ahead of him but another guy that could be inserted if there are injuries they have some depth options brendan lemieux is another intriguing one for me 17 points in 63 games for the son of a formula former uh, troublemaker in the nhl who had an offensive upside in claude lemieux Uh, i think brendan lemieux if he kind of mimics what his father did could carve himself a, a nice niche here they need some sandpaper on this team and he might be the guy that provides it
0: yeah, I mean it's it's just going to be so hard for for him to break into to this forward grouping. Um, you know, I think his his most likely spot would be if if Kratsov, uh doesn't really work out or, or struggles to transition to to the game. But um, you're not you're not putting Nemesikov on on the bench or, or in the press box. Rather, uh, he's just you know he's frustrating. He's shown some real flashes and, and has struggled at at times as well. Um, but I think he's just too good of a player uh, to leave him on the bench not to mention uh, you know having a guy make four million dollars to watch from the press box will also sting a little bit as well so uh, I just I struggle to see where Lemieux can can break in here Uh, Jasper Fast I think is another candidate to to be A top six guy um, but is probably going to need injuries for it to happen you know he he had uh, just 66 games last year 20 points in those I think in a top six role there's a chance he pushes for 30 um, but I I just don't see a path there for him unfortunately as well Uh, again due to those injuries I think the most intriguing uh, kind of Fluid situation in, in this whole top nine is uh, Philip Cheadle and, and Lias Anderson and, and which one can really hold on and grab that that second uh, line role. I think Cheadle has the inside track, obviously, with with what he did last season. But I think uh, Anderson will push him all year long. And I think you could see that change. Uh, on a week-to-week basis you know who's hot who's not and see that kind of flip around Uh, on the blue line uh, there's some uh, some more new pieces here as well this team uh, really has made some big changes in in the offseason through through drafting and, and signing Uh, You'll get Brady Skay uh, uh, on that top group with uh, Jakob Truba, who they signed uh, from Winnipeg with that huge uh, deal, that seven-year, $56 million contract, and they're going to be expecting him to be that 50-point producer that he was his last season uh, in Winnipeg. You know, a word of caution there, uh, in his previous campaigns, he had never topped 40, uh, so that does... Uh, you know raise a few red flags but I think he'll anchor uh, their top power play unit and I think it's certainly possible that he that he gets back there and can reproduce Uh, the second group uh, you're you've got your kind of defensive guy in in Mark Stahl and then an intriguing uh, newcomer in Adam Fox out of out of Harvard last year 48 points in 33 games I think he's the more offensively minded of those two could be really a sneaky option for, for a lot of fantasy players out there. I wouldn't be shocked to see him put up 30 this year, maybe even 40, uh, depending on if he can secure a spot on that second power play unit, your, your kind of depth, uh, is kind of questionable here in terms of offense. You're not going to see a ton, uh, in my opinion, Anthony D'Angelo did put up 30 points in 61 games last year. Um, but I don't think he'll see a lot of the same minutes and responsibilities that he did last year with some of these new additions. This was a guy that saw almost two minutes a game on the power play, uh, averaged over 19 minutes a night. I think those numbers are going to drop off um, a little bit with these new additions. I, I don't expect him to be uh, on that power play unit there. So um, that's kind of how I see it. Is there anybody that you think competes uh, for some uh, minutes with this, this uh, six-pack?
1: well you know what there's a lot of offensive upside here so getting the right guy is key Uh, certainly the the top guy on the list has to be Truba of course so he'll be the the linchpin on the power plays top unit there but Brady Shea has played that role for the Rangers in the past as well so uh, they'll probably mix and match those two I don't know that they play together all season long I'd like to see them split the offensive capabilities that they bring. Anthony D'Angelo is a wild card here, too. He really emerged as a a point-producing defenseman. I didn't see this in him, but uh, his numbers project to a 40-point campaign. If if he gets a full season of good health, he had 61 games, played 30 points last year, so uh, just repeating that would be a Boon for the Rangers and indicative of the depth they have here. You also highlighted Adam Fox. I think he is the absolute wild card in this mix. I wonder if I think he's best suited to be insulated by a partnership with Mark Stahl, who's a very good defensive defenseman, so that gives the youngster some latitude to move. And uh, to feel comfortable in doing so with the puck. So, uh, a a good mix for the Rangers. There's an improvement going on here at the forward ranks and the defense, and the net minders stand to be the big winners here. Although I'm a little bit concerned about Henrik Lundquist, we've seen a bit of a decline in uh, the Kings' performance. Only a 307 goals against averaged in 52 appearances last year, and at times he was the definitely second best Ranger goaltender when you consider Alexander Georgiev. The youngster played in 33 games produced a 291 goals against average i think this is a a a handcuff situation as well but i'd like to see the youngster grab the reins and and get the majority of the playing time it's time for lundquist to hand over those reins and become the second goalie in the rankings here but i don't know if the ranger faithful will will stomach that just yet there's such a loyalty and and a following that this guy's cultivated in a long and illustrious career with the rangers but it's time to give the kid a look here as the number one guy
0: so i I agree it's it's time to see uh what their other option is here but in terms of uh games i'm talking like 30 um, I think Lundquist is still uh, your number one guy here. You're paying him like it. Uh, you're not going to pay $8.5 million a year for a backup. Uh, that's just not happening. Uh, I think he'll bounce back. I have no concerns about that. Um, I would peg him for maybe around... Uh, I'll I'll say 2.6 in that kind of area for his goals against average it'll be a little higher I think than the the 2.5 you look at his last couple of years um, it's it has steadily creeped up but the team around him has steadily gotten worse the last couple of years I think that changes this year I think he's got a better supporting cast and that'll help him uh, overall and so I still think Henrik Lundqvist will be uh, over 50 uh, goals uh, here or uh, rather 50 games here heading into the season uh we'll head uh into the philadelphia flyers next who also have added uh some interesting options but there's some concerns uh for this team and in, in terms of injuries we'll start uh going to be the same top line that uh that we all grew used to last year claude giroux 85 points in 82 games sean couturier 76 points in 80 games and travis connect signed Uh, His RFA deal early enough in the season, I don't uh, expect that to impact him uh, at all. Had 49 points in 82 games. I peg him for higher. I think he could be a 60-point guy for them as well uh, on that top line. James Van Riemsdyk, 48 points in 66 games. That feels a little bit high to me. Uh, I don't uh, foresee him uh, being up around that mark uh, heading into this season. I'm expecting, you know, you look at his last couple of years, 62 in Toronto, 54 in Toronto, 48 in Philadelphia. I think you're going to continue to see that kind of creep down a little bit here. And I think he'll face challenges from a guy like Oscar Lindbaum. uh to for uh that top six role here this uh center group will be or the second line will be anchored by kevin hayes who comes over uh from uh, uh from vegas last year or winnipeg rather uh and he uh put up 55 points last season uh, split between the rangers and, and winnipeg and i think uh that's a good marker for him uh, right around that uh, that that mark maybe a little closer to 50 maybe high 40s and then uh, Jacob Forsak, uh as the the other guy here he had 66 points in 78 games I think he's uh, right there as well I mentioned Oscar Kleffbaum as well the concern here is Nolan Patrick dealing uh, with an injury that they're saying uh, may not allow him to be ready for opening night Uh, I think they already were concerned with uh, his product on the ice, the fact that they brought in Kevin Hayes to be the number two center. You're going to see Patrick drop out uh, 30 uh, points uh, his first year, 31 points last year. uh, And so really has not scored like a second overall pick uh, is certainly the case. And now you add an injury to that as well. He's projected to play. Uh, with uh, Tyler Pitlick, who right now dealing with an injury, but I don't think that's going to affect him uh, opening night. Uh, he'll hold down that role, but not really an offensive upside here. Played just 47 games last year, had 12 points. Uh, I would gather 20, 25 is, is maybe his his top limit, Uh, And then even the third line is dealing with some injuries, too. You've got Morgan Frost, who is projected, I think, to be their fourth uh, line center, uh, put up wonderful numbers for them in the OHL last year. But uh, again, that injury may even cost him. uh, It's possible that it cost him a spot in this lineup to start the season and that he begins the year in the minors. Uh, And so really, these injury concerns down the middle raise uh, some red flags about this team, despite having uh, arguably one of the best first lines in the league I'm willing to concede that to the Flyers faithful out there that this first group uh, is one of the best in the NHL right now Paul what do you think about uh, the top nine and and beyond here
1: well the two-thirds of that top unit are very elite when you consider Giroux he just produces point a game every year it seems and And uh, he's been revitalized since he was moved over to the wing, and that's because Sean Couturier has emerged as a bona fide number one center here. The guy that benefits is the third member of that unit, and he has a chance to go much higher than the 49 points that Travis Konechny scored last year over an 82-game schedule. I think that JVR is only valuable to this team, AJ, if he locks down that second line role. I don't see him in a third role, third line role being a very productive guy. They're paying this guy a lot of money, $7 million over the next several years. And uh, you've mentioned there's been a, a bit of a decline, but they have to continue to use him on that second unit. And uh, I think they're pretty excited about getting Kevin Hayes in as the second line center here. Uh, pretty good uh pickup they paid for him though and uh, 55 points in 71 games indicative of the fact that he's a solid scoring center pretty good depth here in that one-two position Jacob Voracek undervalued in my opinion in terms of what he means to this team offensively 66 points in 78 games is a very solid total for a second line player he gets a lot of looks on that power play and one of the key guys who much of the offense goes through when they get the extra man as well very disappointed about the trajectory that Nolan Patrick's career has taken. AJ, the second overall pick a couple of years ago, only 32, 31 points in 72 games played. And you mentioned the injury issues. I'm shying away from that guy completely in this circumstance. If you're looking at dynasty leagues, the name of Morgan Frost must be on your radar. He uh, rocked, uh, rocked a really good season in the OHL last year, 109 points in 58 games played. But the injury problems have delayed his uh, his uh chances in the early going of this uh camp period and so he probably will not make the grade in terms of uh, breaking with this roster I don't think uh until he gets healthy and a few more reps under his belt maybe even at the AHL level but he's a guy that I think is in for a pretty good future here and uh and I think he'll be a top six player in the next couple of years on the Philadelphia Flyers I'll say that we'll switch over to the Flyer defense now and uh they got some pretty good name recognition, some point producers on that back end. I like three of them. Two of them are youngsters. Uh, well, Shane gossesbear has been around for a couple of years, but I think he's a guy that carries the mail on the uh, top offensive situations in the power play here. 37 points in 78 games, a bit of a downturn from what we've seen from him in the past. I think that the, there's too much talent above him on the forward ranks uh, that that should make him candidate for a 50-point season again. I think that's the upside that he possesses. Even Provorov, 26 points in 82 games played, probably the next best offensive capabilities on the back end. Um, Matt Niskanen is a guy that you know more about than most. AJ, you followed this guy's career when he was with the Penguins. 25 points in 80 games played last year indicates a bit of a downturn for him over what he's done in prior years. Could be a bit of a spike if uh, if needed uh, to score more uh, top four situations on the blue line i think this guy could have a re- rebound year maybe threaten the 40 point mark that's what i how much i like him robert Hag, more of a defensive specialist 20 points in 82 games his ceiling the same goes for justin braun and maybe even travis sandheim although i could see sandheim maybe being a 30 point guy the fantasy value here is gosses and Provorov, in my opinion
0: yeah i absolutely agree with that the one uh, kind of x factor in terms of fantasy value is. Uh, Maddie Niskanen and I think it comes down to whether or not he can get power play minutes for them. Uh, and Niskanen has an absolute rocket of a shot if he gets an opportunity uh, to use it but you look at his time the last few years in Washington uh, last two years he's been close to like 30 seconds per game on the power play uh, with their their second unit there um, but the first couple of years there and, and when he was uh, in Pittsburgh definitely was a, a contributor there and, and really uh, has an absolute cannon of a shot that can be helpful there. So if he can get power play ice time, I agree, uh possible uh uptick closer to, to forty, but without that I really don't see it happening. One uh kind of call up uh option for them uh that could uh you know be an intriguing prospect is, is Philippi Myers uh, you know played uh, in You know, 21 games in the NHL last year had just the two points there, but had 33 points in 53 games with AHL uh, Lehigh Valley. And so if he can kind of continue his development, maybe spend uh, some more time in the minors, really getting that offensive upside. I think he's an intriguing uh, blue line prospect down the road there Uh, in terms of the net minding. Uh, I think it's Carter Hart's job to, to really uh, lose here. I think they'll give him every opportunity to be a 55-game player for them. Uh, he saw action in 31 games last year, went 16-13-1 and one, uh, with a .917 save percentage there. Uh, he's backed up by Brian Elliott just in case uh, things don't go quite as smoothly, you know, sophomore slump or, or kind of struggles with the full workload. Again, he played just 31 games Uh, last season so uh, maybe not used to uh, playing that full you know 60 50 game every every night uh, kind of set and so maybe Brian Elliott takes a little bit more of the starts but really I think this is Carter Hart's job uh, for the foreseeable future for uh, the Flyers
1: yeah they have to be thrilled that they may have sol- finally solved the long running longest running soap opera in the NHL in terms of the <laughs> goalie mix in Philadelphia Carter Hart looks to be the answer and uh, he could easily slide into the top 10 goalies in the league and in my opinion, if he just continues the trajectory that he's been on, Brian Elliott, an injury plate guy, so I think it bears mentioning that Alex Ly- Lyon is uh, in the wings. If uh, Elliott should falter, with injury issues, Lyon is the guy that looked to. Who expects the Flyers to only play two goalies this year? I, I'm not one of them. So I expect <laughs> Lyon, Lyon to get that look over Elliott at some point this season because he, the veteran, just been floundering around the NHL the last few years. Now we get to AJ's favorite club, the AA Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm going to lead it off in the interest of brevity. I'll talk about the forward <laughs> ranks. And uh, they're loaded up for Bear up front, uh, as you might expect. Certainly Crosby and Malkin continue to be one of the top Two tan- uh, top two or three tandems at center in the one two position uh, uh, in the middle of the ice, and so it really behooves the listeners to to know who's playing on their wings. Jake Gunsell parlayed a seventy six point season. Uh, last year into a lock on the left wing on uh, Crosby's uh, port side and the guy on the right side on this unit projects to be Dominic Cajun I'm curious to know how uh, what you think about that mix AJ we'll get to your thoughts in a sec but Cajun produced 37 points bouncing around this roster I think if he locks down that first line right wing he blows past that again by the all-star break on the second line, uh, Alex Galchenyuk comes over and in a deal from for Phil Kessel, and I think he has to be thrilled about the prospect of playing left wing for Evgeny Malkin. And this could be the breakout season for a guy who was a former top uh, draft pick by the Canadians a few years ago, never really played up to that level uh, despite some flashes of brilliance I think you're going to see an offensive explosion out of Galchenyuk this year and rounding out that uh, trio is Brandon Tanev on the right side in my projections AJ could be a flip of the two uh, right wingers here but they're both going to land in great spots if they stay in the top six insulating them is patrick hornquist who has had opportunity with the top two centers in the, in the past and if he doesn't it's going to be a hard press to repeat the 37 points he picked up last year in 69 games played nick bukestad is ideally suited in the third line center role here if they keep him in the middle of the ice i don't think he can get to 40 points just because the other two guys are going to be possession hogs uh in terms of all the prime minutes on the power play and all that sort of thing jared McCann in, uh, completes the top uh, nine i'll say with 35 points could be his ceiling there as well but uh, interesting insurance should anybody get hurt either one of those wingers can move up into the top six role. And they also have some name recognition in terms of guys that have played top six before in Dominic Simone and Brian Rust. So uh, Teddy Bluger is an interesting pick also on the fourth line. Uh, One of the more offensively-minded trios, I'll say, in terms of fourth-line projections around the league. AJ, what are your thoughts on this and the rest of the players you might mention?
0: Yeah, I think the really uh, the biggest question mark, as you said, is is those right wingers. Um, you know, they they tried McCann and, and had some success with McCann playing uh, with Gensel and Crosby, but that uh, forced Gensel to play on the right wing. Uh, so McCann would be on the left. And it while it worked and they had some success there, I think Gunsel more comfortable on the left wing. Um, so I think Dominic Cahoon will have every opportunity to start uh, on that line. Uh, with Crosby and, and Gensel and, and really be uh, a chance to, to produce there. Uh, Brandon Tanev. I, again, I, I think he starts there um, but it, he's probably more tenuous in, in terms of his hold on that spot than Cahoon is um, you know, Tanev, Uh, has the the upside with him is his defensively minded game Um, that's something that would benefit Malkin and and Galchenyuk but I I think you know they love uh, everything that Brian Rust is willing to do if Patrick Hornquist is is a hundred percent he could be a candidate there the one spot uh, you know that I'll I'll disagree with you here is I don't see of. Uh, barring injuries, I don't see Tanev playing on the top line with with Crosby and Gensel. So I, I just don't think that that group would really work out uh, too well. So uh, I think he starts at that second spot, but it, it's a tenuous hold at best. Uh, Dominic Simone is a guy who projects anywhere from being out of the lineup as as a healthy scratch to potentially playing uh, again on, on either of those top two lines as well. So uh, you kind of have to watch him for me simone's a a daily fantasy guy right you're he's somebody that you're looking at okay he's going into this game playing with crosby i'm going to use him in dfs tonight but i'm not using him really in season long at any point uh defensively um you know there's there's uh, a lot of the uh question marks will be around uh justin schultz and, and what he can bring he's set to to hold down that second pairing with with marcus peterson i think to start the year um, they want to see how these two guys both offensively minded in, in a lot of ways can play off each other and whether schultz can get back to being a, a top producer for them the other question mark for schultz is where they put him in the power play units throughout camp here they've really switched him and chris letang with that number one group kind of experimenting with what what works Uh, for that top pairing it's going to be the same as usual Uh, you know the wheels keep turning for Pittsburgh Brian Dumoulin with Chris Letang you've got your defensively minded guy who can stumble into 20 points on a year uh, paired up with Chris Letang who if fully healthy which I understand that's like the biggest if uh, of all time uh, can be a Norris competing uh, you know point producer here but injuries just seem to always uh, affect him The real question marks are this bottom group. You've got Jack Johnson uh, and Eric Goodbranson. Uh, Goodbranson really had a a turnaround year once he made the move from Vancouver, Uh, and so they love everything there. Jack Johnson, obviously there's concerns there with speed and and puck moving ability uh, and price tag, obviously. Uh, And then one other name I'll just throw out that could compete. John Marino signed uh, as a uh, college uh, free agent. Now everything pointed to him starting the year in the minors. Uh, after after they, he signed in the off season, but he's made it to this latest round of cuts they just cut a bunch of players yesterday uh, either through waivers or, or straight to the minors depending on eligibility and they've still got Marino hanging around um, you know I don't think he starts the year here but I think at the first sign of an injury I wouldn't be surprised to see his name uh, shoot up uh, to the to the NHL here so that's the blue line uh, as I see it Paul
1: you know what? I've always been a fan of Chris Letang. I'd love to see him play 82 games, AJ, and- find out what point total he would rack up. I think he would challenge the two fellas in San Jose if healthy. We just know that that's not very likely. So you're looking at a similar situation to last year. If he plays 65 games, he could still reach the 50-point mark. But what excites me here is the second pairing that you mentioned. Marcus Pedersen showed flashes of being uh, that next point producer on this roster. And you can't undervalue under what uh, Justin Schultz produced in 29 games played. He did pull up 15 points. You project that over a season, that's a 40-point campaign. So there are other options behind Latang in terms of offensive upside. And again, maybe it's a look at the DFS situation on a daily basis when you can feature the likes of Pedersen or Schultz in your lineup. It could be pretty good value and pretty cheap value in the DFS game. In terms of the net-minding mix, well, they're hoping that Matt Murray continues to do what he did last year. He reached the 50-game play mark produced a 269 goals against average i think they'd like to see him play a few more games than that aj but uh, behind him casey DeSmith smith did, did hold the fort nicely there wasn't much of a drop-off he played in 36 games and produced a 275 goals against average and with the offense that this team produces that's just fine if they can get that out of their top two and then insulating them should there be any injuries tristan jerry had another fine year in the ahl and he's had a couple of cups of coffee at the big leagues so i think the goaltending's in pretty fine hands here
0: yeah, I mean, obviously, as you pointed out, the, the number of games for Matt Murray is the biggest concern and, and has been throughout uh, his you know early career. Last season was uh, a career high playing in 50 games. Uh, I think the other problem last year was a really bad start to the season uh, for Matt Murray. I mean, and it started from you know night, <laughs> night one. The opener uh, gave up seven uh, to Washington uh, opening night. And so it really uh, did not get any better. Um, from there. And so I, I think really, um, you know, how he can, you know, if he can start the season uh, on the right foot uh, and really kind of turn things around uh, at the start of the season, I think you'll have better numbers that'll bolster his confidence and maybe get him up closer to, to 55, maybe push for 60 uh, games played. But as you mentioned, with a solid backup into Smith right now, uh, they, they don't necessarily need him to be a 65 uh, game player. Uh, from there, we'll uh, head to the, the U.S. Capitol to talk about the Washington Capitals. Uh, their top line will be exactly what it was last year, uh, and I think you're going to see pretty much pr- same production across the board. You've got Ovechkin, uh, 89 points last year in 81 games. Certainly uh, always capable of being a, a 90, even a 100-point producer. Uh, 51 goals uh, last year uh, in, in really uh, kind of a you know, first time getting back over that mark since 2015-16 uh, to be a 50-goal guy and certainly capable of doing that some more. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom will be the center, 74 points, 80 games. I think that's right on target. Tom Wilson, uh, hampered by uh, injuries and, and, uh, and suspensions, uh, played in just 63 games last year. 40 points for him. Uh, I think even if he plays upwards of, you know, 82 games, I I don't see his point total dramatically climbing from those extra 20 games. Maybe it gets up to 50. um, But I think that's uh, about par for the course there. And then the, the middle of the lineup, you're going to have after serving a three-game suspension so for opening night you're going to see something a little different but after those three games you'll see uh vrana with evgeny kuznetsov and tj oshi rounding out that second group Uh, vrana 47 points i think they're expecting more out of him and he's going to get the opportunity to play top six minutes. And, and I think it's certainly possible to see an uptick from him. Kuznetsov, 72 points, feels right on par. Same with TJ Oshie, 54 from last year. I think he maybe creeps up around uh, uh, over 60 uh, points there if he can play a full season. Again, a couple injuries sideline him last year. Third line is where I have uh, a little more, uh, some more questions. Uh, Carl Hagelin really did uh, seem to fit in well with Capitals uh, last season. You know, it was a uh, another guy who uh, seemed to change zip codes every couple of weeks last year. Started with Pittsburgh, went to LA, uh, then finally landed with Washington. But had 11 points in 20 games for them, and so perhaps uh, some stability there could help uh, his overall point total on the year. Uh, and maybe he gets back to being a 30 uh, point producer for them. Lars Eller, likely your third center there, and then uh, Richard panic comes over, uh, joins the club. Uh, um, from arizona last year had a decent season 33 points in 75 games i don't really see him being a 40 point guy he had the one year in chicago that he hit that mark but the last two it's been uh, below that so that's uh pretty much my breakdown of uh of the top nine here i don't see a lot of guys that could compete for additional minutes here uh, and challenge any of those guys for spots Uh, paul what's your take
1: well i i want to start off with a dfs note and it's it it really is a bit of an ad for what the work that you do AJ in terms of setting the depth charts on a daily basis you got to really know who Ovechkin is playing with he's spent a lot of time with both Backstrom and Kuznetsov over the recent last few years and you've got to really know who's playing with Ovi on that unit for on a nightly basis they switch back and forth so uh, those two guys both top top playmakers in this league and uh really a key note there that you should be aware of all season long Tom Wilson deserves a bit of a tip of the cap too for the way he's reinvented himself used to be a fourth line player now he's locked in on that first line on the right wing and nobody takes liberties with Ovi or Backstrom or Kuznetsov anymore with one of the best uh, physical uh forces in the league patrolling the right wing and he's scoring enough to to stay there jacob rana is a guy who's entering his third full season as a pro and that's typically when a lot of guys really take off i see a breakout possibility for this guy that uh, should see him blow past the 47 points that he got last year in 82 games played tj oshi you mentioned he's another plug and play player 54 points in 69 games just doesn't seem to be able to put together a full schedule but there's no, nothing to sneeze at when you're looking at 50 plus points then uh, they got some pretty good insurance in terms of depth on the third line that can move up if necessary Hagelin you mentioned Lars Eller one of the most properly suited third line centers i think in the entire league he gives you that solid uh, defensive presence also a bit of an offensive upside some looks on the power play as well richard panick you might say the same thing for him he produced 33 points in 75 games that's a pretty good line to put together on the third unit and uh, beyond that it's uh, guys that that uh, like nick dowd and Brent Le- Brennan Leipzig that are in the 20 to 25 point range not too much to get excited about but you really don't need it when you got the top nine that they do here in terms of the defensive uh, component here on the back end John Carlson one of the premier scoring defensemen topped 70 points last year in 80 games played there were only a handful of guys that did that and he's a candidate to do it again maybe behind San Jose's tandem I think I'd rank him as the third leading offensive uh, force from the back end again this season Michael Kempney is his partner at 25 points in 71 games that's probably what you might expect for him so don't overvalue him but uh, Dmitry Orlov is a guy I think has much more to give than the 29 points that he showed last year in 82 games played I'm expecting him to put it together one of these years and it could be a 40-point season in the offing for him beyond that it's a lot of defensive sc- specialists Nick Jensen 20 points in 80 games Radko Gudas, 20 and 77 you get the idea that There's uh, Christian. Jews might be uh, the only other guy here with a chance to to get up over a thirty-point mark if he plays a regular shift in the top two pair pairings, but uh, he'll be hard pressed to do so. What about you? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It starts and stops with Eric Carlson in terms of uh, offensive upside here. John Carlson. John Carlson. Yes, I mean it does in San Jose for Eric as well. But uh, yes, John Carlson. Thank you. Um, I. I agree. I think there's really not any other good candidate to really get over the 30 mark uh, on the rest of this group. As you said, maybe Orlov, um, but that's about it. Uh, In terms of the Nets, uh, there are uh, some big questions for uh, the Capitals heading into the season, but it has nothing to do with the number one guy. That's Braden Holpe, and he will see the lion's share of the workload. They've uh, kept him under 60 the last two seasons. I think that's likely going to be about the same. I would say 55 to to 59 is probably the range there. They saw success when they kept him under 60 uh, for the first time in a couple of years and and obviously that worked out well for them the question mark here is who's going to be the number two you've got phoenix copley uh, as the leading candidate i think um, but then uh, behind him ilya samsonov is also competing for minutes and trying to earn a spot here and uh, it'll be interesting to see who they keep uh, when they cut down to, to 23 guys here uh, i really could see that backup situation going either way um, but these are guys that'll play 25 games Uh, at max uh it's certainly possible that they even split those 25 games uh or so between those two guys uh and so really uh i I would stay away from the handcuff here just take brain Hopi and uh and call it a day
1: yeah, I'm a big fan of Holtby too, AJ, but I won't overvalue him because I think it could be one of those circumstances where they want to back off on, in terms of the games played. He's been right around 60 and more for the last several years. I could see them bumping that back a little bit, particularly if uh, the highly touted Samsonov grabs the backup role. They want to see what they have here in terms of maybe the next, the heir apparent to Holtby's. Uh, thrown there at the back end so a pretty good situation and that's phoenix copley offers veteran insurance uh, in terms of what he provides as well so not a bad look uh, on the back end of the whole talented washington roster and that brings me to the opportunity to come up with my list of the top teams in this division and how they might eventually finish and i'm giving the nod to the washington capitals partner i don't want to disappoint you or get you upset but i just think there's too much there top to bottom to to have them finish anywhere but first in this division the Penguins I think are a solid bet for second again so it's a one-two battle of familiar foes in the top of the standings but then it gets interesting for me where the New Jersey Devils have steadily built something and and I think finally we can talk about a dynamic offense in in addition to the defensive structure that they've been known for ever here in in New Jersey and the wild card candidate uh, for fourth place in the division and possibly a playoff spot is the carolina hurricanes we mentioned that they got a couple of veterans in the nets to hold the fort but it's that defensive six-pack that one of the top Uh, groupings in the entire league that has me excited here and then they've they've also ramped up the quality of the offense just like the devils have so i think those two teams will vie for third and fourth in this division beyond that the rangers are in a pretty nice looking rebuild situation as well so it could be a three-team race for the third fourth and fifth spots but i give the rangers fifth here and that leaves the flyers islanders and columbus in that order on the outside looking in what do you see
0: yeah, so I'm I'm gonna actually take uh, I'm gonna take New Jersey to win the Metropolitan here. Uh, I just love everything they're putting together there on the offensive side. I think they've got solid blue liners uh, that can produce throughout the lineup. It is the question of of the goaltending here, and and if they can get that right, if those guys can figure it out, they don't have to be. They don't have to be perfect with the offense ahead of them. They just got to be good enough. And I think New Jersey uh, can win the division here in in a very competitive metropolitan. Uh, I'm going to put Washington second. Again, you've got, um, you know, you've got the three guys leading the way. You've got Ovi uh, on the forward ranks. You got John Carlson defensively, and Braden Hopi in the nets, and that's just a, a tandem that's too hard to beat. So I've actually got my Penguins coming in at third here. I think uh, Malkin is is pegged for a big year. Uh, I think he's motivated, and they'll get into the playoffs here and be ready. Um, you know, for for what happens there. I'm going to take both my wild cards from the Metropolitan Division. Uh, And that just speaks to what happens in the Atlantic outside of those top three. We'll talk about that more next week. But I've got the Rangers taking fourth in a wild card spot here, along with the Islanders. You know, I said I had concerns about Varlamov, but uh, I think the Islanders are are too good of a team defensively. They're too well coached of a team to miss out on the playoffs, in, in my opinion. So I think the Rangers and the Islanders take both wild cards Uh, from the the eastern uh conference and then carolina probably misses out by like a point or two um it's going to be very close uh from there they'll certainly be competitive all year long uh flyers at seven and columbus at eight there's just too many question marks with with the blue jackets right now i I think they're going to end up uh in the bottom of of this very difficult metropolitan
1: well, history was made on this show, uh, where I ranked the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> higher than A.J. Schultz. I can't believe that, quite frankly, but uh, we'll go with it and we'll see how it turns out. I think we're both in agreement, though, that uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, they could be a threat for the number one uh, draft pick, uh, certainly finishing near the bottom of the standings. And, uh, boy, the things just went from almost the penthouse to the outhouse in, in no time flat <laughs> here, considering this team were, really went for it at the trade deadline. But they lost a couple of big pieces. And uh, I think this year they're going to show the, the ill effects of that. But it's the top end of this division. It's intriguing. Uh, I like your call on the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils. They have closed the gap on the perennial front runners, Caps, and, and Penguins. So it should be a very interesting race. And you certainly ma- made Matt Stryker a uh, longtime participant of this show and a big fan of ours and we are of him to suggest that they might contend for the wild card i know he's gone out and bought a capo caco sweater probably by now as well so uh, (laughs) a a tip of the bowler to matt if you're listening buddy in any case uh, aj we got one more of these previews to do next week before the serious shooting starts in only a few more days and i'm so excited about this upcoming season but we're going to stop it right there partner
0: well, sounds good yeah uh, we'll uh head into head into next season or next week and uh yeah i'm ready for the real shooting to start absolutely let's get it going let's get some actual games i've, I've been watching preseason just because i need something but uh let's get some regular season games here
1: well said uh that wraps up this episode of podcast with statsman and aj our next episode and our final preseason preview will feature the atlantic division next week and uh, that'll be just the day before the regular season does start so please remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj 24 as always we invite you to listen in to podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research so long everybody